Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another episode, and I feel like it's uh, time we get back in our groove. Uh, vacation mode is over. Uh, a request, obviously, be not, not the first Monday of the month, but we're going to do a request this week um, to keep the tradition alive, covering Overkill's Horoscope album from 1991. Um, before we get there, Chris, how are you? Very good. Um, just kind of glad that we took the time to talk about all things prog power so that we can kind of get back to focusing on uh, what we normally do, and that's talk about a, a different album every week. Um, Want to just say welcome to anybody who's a new listener. Um, if you discovered us through the prog power program, um, we saw. I saw we got a couple of scans from the... Uh, the QR code, uh, at least a few days ago, I saw we had about 13 scans, um, but I haven't checked lately. So we might have some new listeners. If so, uh, you know, welcome. Please feel free to reach out, make a request, just make a comment, whatever. Um, but uh, hoping that maybe we um, kind of expanded our, our listenership a bit uh, after our trip to Prague Power and also our episode about Prague Power, which got... Um, Really good, uh, really good numbers so far, and it's been only a few days since we dropped it. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, to to your point about the requests, keep them coming. We um we obviously have a queue of these things. Uh, no shortage of overkill requests, to be honest with you. Uh, but we want to keep these coming, and um, it, it, I like seeing all the variety because if <laughs> I have a, an ongoing list of these things, and they are all over the place, and I mean all over the place, but that's what makes it fun. Uh, finally sitting down to listen to overkill after avoiding them for 25 years, it was, it was time. And I'm glad that I did. Uh, but, but before we get there, uh, anything new this week that, uh, you had a chance to listen to, I know it was kind of getting back in the swing of things after, you know, kind of being away for a while. Yeah. Well, three albums came out on Friday. Um, and I haven't had a chance to listen to any of them yet, but um, they're all three are on my radar. Uh, the new Creator album, Hate Uber Alice, which um, I I bought on a whim based on your uh, recommendation. So nice. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Also, um, Windrose's Warfront album uh, was released, and I'm excited about that. I'm also kind of crossing my fingers that I will be a sponsor for Windrose at Prog Power next year, as I was supposed to sponsor them. Uh, when they were initially supposed to play three years ago. And finally, Seventh Wonder. This is one I'm really excited about. Just um, I was trying to kind of go back a few months because I'm a little bit behind on some newer stuff. So I kind of put Seventh Wonder on the back burner for now. But their new album, The Testament, came out. I've been seeing a lot of good uh, things said about that. But uh, actually, yesterday, I um, decided to... Like I said, kind of try to catch up on some of the stuff that um, came out in May. Um, and so I, I listened to Crash Diet's uh, Automaton album, which I really, really enjoyed. And I thought was another one on, on uh, your recommendation. And um, I'm like obsessed with the, uh, with the song, um, which one was it? Uh, Power, uh, Power Line with, um, Mar- with uh, what's Michael Starr from... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I almost said Seventh Wonder. Definitely not Seventh <laughs> Wonder. Steel Panther. Um, really fun little uh, cameo from him. Cool music video. Uh, but the album is just fun. Like just kind of that like grun like kind of grungy, raunchy, like like glammy kind of metal. Sleaze rock. Yeah, I like, I like it a lot. Um, 
And so yeah. I kind of kept the ball rolling with um, that style, that kind of melodic style. And I listened to the the, the Big Deal's debut album, First Bite, which um, they are um, they have two uh, two female singers leading the the band, and and just um, you know, kind of like you always say, your your frontiers style, uh, you know, just good old fashioned melodic hard rock slash metal. I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was quite good, and then I, um, and then I listened to the new Visions of Atlantis album, Pirates, which uh, I also liked quite a lot. A lot of um, picked up like a lot of old school Nightwish kind of vibes from this, um, and with that, you know, male and female vocal tandem, um, it was good. I, I, this is one I, I want to revisit a few more times before I make like a final decision on because um, this could end up on like my year end list, depending. But um, on first listen, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I do still have a few albums left. Um, I feel like a lot has come out um, in the last couple of months. Um, so, you know, I, I still have, uh, I still want to listen to the new uh, Fozzie album, the, the Yanni Limatainen album, uh, the new Soto album. Um, so, I, you know, there's, I have a handful of things to listen to. And then um, as far as songs go, I definitely worth mentioning. Um, Dragon, uh, I don't know if we had a chance to mention it um, because we were at Prague Power and then talking about Prague Power, but both, um, I think we mentioned that Stradivarius had a new single when we were discussing um, them at, at Prague Power. Uh, they have a new single called Survive. Uh, Dragonland also has a new single. Um, we might have talked about it, I can't quite remember, but um, it's called The Power of the Night Star and it's on their long-awaited album that's coming out uh, later this year. Um, so those are two singles that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and then there's another single. Uh, tell me if you've heard it. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, Avatarium released a new single from their upcoming album, which is going to be called Death, Where Is Your Sting? And the song is called God Is Silent. And this is, Avatarium is one of those bands that you wouldn't think that I would, like, just glom onto but for some reason there was a song that came out on one of their albums not too long ago that just completely sucked me in and and i just enjoy i mean you don't really hear a lot of doom metal bands that have a female vocalist and so um I'm, i have to check out this the new single i don't know if you heard it but um yeah like you said we're kind of getting back on track with things so i had a few things i wanted to mention nice i i haven't heard it i am looking forward to it they're they're a band that like they have a really unique sound. Obviously, you mentioned the female vocals, the the, the whole Doom vibe. Um, some of my favorite bands and albums ha- are in that vein. Draconian comes to mind with the use of the, you know, their liberal use of, of the female vocals over that style. Um, and others where, for some reason, I just think it's a really, like, beautiful mix between that dark, brooding sound and then, of course... Um, you know, those kind of higher pitched vocals, uh, or at least I should say female vocals over the top. Cool stuff. I have not heard the single. Um, but it, it's funny. You did mention Old Nightwish, and I heard something this week which was like a dead ringer for like once era Nightwish. Not, not Oceanborn, but like that late Tarja era Nightwish stuff. And I think you'll particularly enjoy this. I haven't even had a chance to mention it to you. Uh, the band is called Deep Sun. They're out of Switzerland, and they came out with an album uh, called Dreamland Behind the Shades. And it is, again, a dead ringer for that late Tarja era Nightwish. I'll post the track this week. I think you will be very, very happy with that uh, with that band. 
And uh, one other album that I that I had a chance to check out, which kind of caught my ear. Was actually, a I actually oh, yeah? heard the song "Living the Dream." I don't oh, remember if you told me about it, but um, I, it's on my uh, one of my playlists oh, yeah, um, yeah. from Volume Ten. Um, but yeah, I like this a lot. I, I'd like to hear the rest of the album. I've only heard the one song, but yeah, You'll, you will definitely appreciate it. And then I just have one other recommendation. I'll try to post something by this band as well. They're out of Finland. They're called Super Death Flame, and they came out with their first album in 11 years called Dead is Dead. And they are uh, one of those melodic death metal bands that emphasize the melodic over the death and the metal, I guess we'll say. Kind of like an Omnium Gatherum where they uh, obviously fit that mold. But if, you, if you're a fan of that Omnium Gatherum style de- uh, melodic death metal, you're going to eat these guys up as well just because they write killer riffs and... Uh, kind of catchy choruses even if uh it's it's obviously mostly if not all growls uh in terms of the vocal style but really cool stuff uh somebody kind of brought them to my attention i checked it out um and i was a fan so i'm gonna i'll definitely like i said post something this week and um some of your comments have actually made me question the album i'm gonna choose for next week i had something picked out but i think i might throw a a curveball because of something you said but we'll get to that at the end i'm still kind of letting it simmer in my own head for for now um, and let's, let's go to the reason why we're here, uh, again, by request, and we've gotten a number and I'm surprised, but we've gotten a number of requests for, for overkill, um, as a band, but the album horoscope was recommended by friend of the show, Chris Willenbrook, who both, both who we had a chance to, uh, meet and discuss for the, uh, you know, in person with for the first time, uh, last week, nice, nice, nice guy. And I told him I would give this album, uh, it's fair fair chance because I had some biases against this band that um, I never thought I would listen to these guys. But here we are. I listened to the album six or seven times over the last week and a half. I'm very glad that I did. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Um, So of the overkill requests that we've received, have any been for the same album or have they been all for totally different albums well a lot of them were just cover overkill cover overkill not really specifying an album i don't know if maybe i've made comments in the past about how i've just avoided this band like the plague or maybe it's just because um there's a lot of thrash fans out there and we have not done a ton of thrash on the show we have not done creator although i'm glad you picked up the new album i haven't heard it yet i'm eagerly awaiting uh, an opportunity to kind of sit aside 45 minutes for that bad boy. But um, we haven't done a lot of the Bay Area stuff with Exodus and Testament. I mean, we haven't even done Metallica yet. So like we haven't done Slayer. So we haven't done a lot of thrash. And I feel like um, maybe it was in part because of your um, thoughts and opinions on Anthrax, but we certainly haven't covered any other East Coast thrash. So uh, they, they came in fast and furiously off the top of my head. I don't have the list in front of me, but um, – the reason why Chris chose this particular album is just because he, he actually gave it a lot of thought. And what he was telling me is like ha- having, I guess, you know, really absorbed this band's discography and being a big fan of the band, he just felt like this would be the best intro for us to the band and give and kind of like the best shot, if you will, of having us kind of fall, fall, fall in love with this band. Um, and I guess it's just a good time for, for me to kind of read a, a couple of the words that he wrote to us, um, 
you know, on, on Facebook. He says, thanks again, guys, for spending time uh, with uh, the record this week. I grew up with Overkill, and I've heard this record hundreds of times over the years, and still now, several more listens the past couple of weeks getting ready for this episode, and I think somehow I love this album even more every time I listen to it. Thrashy, awesome riffs, great rhythm, groovy, Maybe even, dare I say, progressive, and I will get to that with the second half of this album in particular. But he says, there's not one moment on this record that sounds weaker or out of place to me, and I can't say that about a lot of the records, note over 1,300 in my CD collection. I cannot expect it to click uh, on the same level with you guys, but I'm definitely looking forward to learning what you picked up on and what you took away from, uh, from the album, listening with a fresh set of years. Let me say this. I... (laughs) I expected to hate this album. I don't know why. I acknowledge there's probably some bias there that I can't get over, and I didn't hate it. Let me start there. I'll I'll get into details to what I really think, but I didn't hate it. So that, for starters, um, we're we're ahead of the game. Um, My distaste for Overkill in general started, I think it was back in 2003, Four or something like that. I'm going to tell you right now. But what happened was I had um, tickets to go see Sonata. It was 2005. I had tickets to go see Sonata Arica play a show in New York City at the uh, now defunct BB King's venue in August of 2000, uh, in April of 2005. And Sonata Arica was doing a very, very short run of shows and they had announced a headlining show in New York City. Uh, I was never so excited in my life. I was a Sonata Arica fanboy, and although I've kind of drifted away from them in, 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 in recent years due to the, the most recent albums and whatnot, uh, those first three or four Sonata Arica albums are, are gold to me. We've discussed, uh, we've discussed them in the archives. I'm sure at some point we'll probably cover them again. But anyway, I, I'm in my Sonata Arica fanboy mode in, in 2005. All of a sudden, unprompted, unsolicited, Overkill is added to this bill and they are announced that they are headlining this show. And I lost my freaking <laughs> mind, right? Because I'm saying to myself, I was expecting 90 minutes of Sonata Artica and now they're going to job for Overkill and play for 45 minutes. I was irate and I said to myself, I will never listen to Overkill. And I know it was stupid, but I, I, I go to the show. Sonata Artica winds up playing a full headlining set. They played 16 songs. It was outstanding. My sister, my younger sister was there. She's a huge Sonata Artica fan. We had a great time. And then Overkill takes the stage and I left. Didn't even catch a note. And again, it was just, I'm glad Sonata Artica did their headlining set, but I have had a bias or inherent distaste for the band ever thought, ever since I thought they were usurping Sonata Artica's set 17 years ago. Um, with that backdrop, I, I listened think, to it this I week. The, I think this is a long enough moratorium. I think it's a fair enough amount of time based on the snub you felt. And now that the 17 years are up, I think uh, you could probably talk about this album without uh, without that old bias. I, I absolutely can. And, and that's what I was able to do this week. I've, I've gotten over it. I've worked through it. And thank God for everybody listening. Sonata article there, played their full set. What was that? Therapy works. It, it did. I, 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 I'll be the first to admit it. So I was really, really happy with that. And, and, and with that in the backdrop, I have not seen this band live. Um, I think I may have heard a song or two on satellite radio kind of by accident when I was flipping the channels, but I never really paid them much mind. And yet they, they're from, you know, our neck of the woods in, 
in New Jersey and they've been going at it for like the better part of like, I don't know, 30 years, 35 years. It's, it's incredible how long this band has been around and how successful they've been. And quite frankly, how, how many albums they've put out over the years. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, they started in 1985 with their debut release, Feel the Fire. And since then, I think they have 19 albums, if I'm not mistaken. Most recently in 2019 with The Wings of War. The album we're covering, Horoscope, is their fifth album uh, back from 1991. Was this your first exposure to the band, or had you heard them prior prior to this? Uh, you know, I've heard them here and there. Um, I definitely remember. I mean, I don't remember the song exactly, but I remember they had a video on Beavis and Butthead, that Beavis and mm. Butthead tour to shreds. Um, <laughs> there was, I remember the, the overkill flying skull was in the video and, and butthead said something, to the effect of like the flying skull should fly to a video that doesn't suck. <laughs> uh, um, and, and I did, I listened to them a bit um, when they were announced uh, to play at Prague power in, um, I think played in 2014. Um, but I guess for whatever reason, whatever songs I had listened to, they didn't play anything from horoscope, so I probably didn't listen to any of the songs that are on this album at the time. I just whatever it was, um, Electric Rattlesnake was a song for, like that was a kind of a newer one from uh, 2012 that I kind of remember. Um, but like just for the most part, um, it, it just it wasn't didn't really do anything for me, so I never really kind of uh, pursued listening to the band, and I kind of I think through like your, um, you know, like just distaste for <laughs> the band spurning you. Um, I don't know. It was almost like through osmosis. I just like, didn't really ever care. I don't think I even saw them play when they were at Prague power. Um, so this was, you know, I, I tried to go into this with, with an open mind, um, as I, I always do. Um, and I, I have to say it was not what I was expecting at all. How are you ready to get into it? how so? In other words, were you expecting like blistering thrash? Were you expecting something more abrasive? Were you expecting something more melodic? What was it? I, I was ex I was expecting it to be more eighties sounding. Like I, I guess I was expecting it to be more like the, anth the the Anthrax album that we covered that I found to be kind of um, kind of repetitive and and, and just not. I don't know unremarkable um mm -hmm. whereas i found that this album had more uh it was more varied um they were like even though it was a thrash album they were like i found the songs were distinctive from one another um and like you said again like that second half of the album it kind of i feel like it branches out a little bit more into different um styles um so i found myself enjoying this actually right from the beginning. Um, just kind of a great album to listen to while I was working because it was upbeat and it just kind of kept my attention. And I noticed that my, my foot was tapping most of the time I was listening to it. I mean, maybe it helped that I went in with like such like minimal expectations, but um, I ended up really liking it. <laughs> I'd be honest with you. Like I, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I mean, um, I, I liked it better than Anthrax. <laughs> well, that, that, I, I, listen, we I, I was wondering if, if you were going to hit a new like watermark with this. But um, for me, and, and I'll just say this, the first listen, I was a little uh, 
I, again, I having no idea what to expect. I was a little concerned and I said to myself, what, what, what did I get myself into? But with, with the second listen, having, you know, a little familiarity with that first time, the first time through, I started to appreciate and I guess hear things a little bit differently. And that, you know, that often happens or what have you. By the third or fourth listen, I was kind of hitting a little bit of a groove here. And what I think the biggest thing to me, and, and Chris mentioned this a little bit in his blurb, the first half of the album really is a blistering thrash album, but the B side is more of like a it's kind of all over the place, but in a beautiful way. It was it was it was memorable and it was distinct from just a wall of thrash, which I happen to enjoy, but it was I, I found it to be really a tale of two sides. There were certain songs on that first side of the first five, uh, two of them in particular, which I really, really liked. And then on the back end, I found myself really enjoying most of the back half of the disc um, because it was so varied and so diversified, even though I don't know that it was necessarily in line with the thrash sound that they're known for. Uh, Chris had had pulled me aside and he actually sent me a, a, a number of other tracks that he thought I, I in particular would like. I'll be honest, I have not had a chance to sit down and listen to them in, in the detail that I would like to, but having kind of gone into this with, you know, deep dive into Horoscope, I'm going to check out the other stuff because I'm really curious to see the progression between a couple of the stuff, a couple of the albums that came out before this, and then obviously where they would go after this because many people, I think, argued that this was kind of like a turning point album for the band. Uh, it's, their original guitar player had left the band um, upon, I guess, right before this album had come out. It came out September 3rd, 1991 on uh, Atlantic and Megaforce Records. Um, and, and it's the first The Overkill album to actually feature two guitarists, Merritt Gant and Rob Canavino, um, which apparently, I guess, had taken over for their longtime guitar player, Bobby Gustafson, who had left the band right before this release. So you're getting, right off the bat, dual guitars, which, at least for me, for my money, when it comes to thrash, is a good thing uh, to have that, like, layered guitar approach. Uh, and obviously, the lineup would be rounded out by, uh, you know, Bobby Blitz, uh, Bobby Blitz Ellsworth on vocals, um, Sid Falk on drums, and Dee Dee Verney on bass, and also doing backing vocals, which are which are prominent throughout. Um, very, very interesting stuff. I, I'm wondering if you found, kind of found it the same way with that, like dichotomy between the, the A side and the B side here. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and, and I'm kind of glad because I feel like if the whole album sounded like the first half, I think I would have maybe just started to get bored towards the end, but I feel like it kind of flipped a switch right at the, the right time. Um, I, I was impressed I think I had I had it in my head that sonically this wasn't going to sound very good, maybe just because it's a thrash album from 1991. But I thought it sounded really good. Like, just I don't know if um, I don't know if I had a a remastered or a remixed or it's just the original. But I I thought it sounded really good. Like all the instruments, I feel like sounded clear. Um, the, I I enjoy Bobby Blitz's vocals, um, which I think that could have been like that could have been made it like a DOA situation for me, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. right from the get go. If I didn't like the singing, it would have been kind of like a, a wasted effort for me, but um, I, I, his vocals just fit. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that like there, you know, and, and same with what Chris said is like that first half is very like straightforward in your face thrash metal. And then it almost feels like they try to be a little bit more experimental on the second half and kind of branch out into um, some different kinds of sounds. And uh, 
I'll just say this. My my favorite song on the album was on the second half of the album. Me too. And I, I do have a couple in the first half, and I'll, I'll get to them in a moment. But um, it really kind of picked up for me. And, and again, maybe it's the proggy guy in me, right, that just enjoyed the quirkiness of the second half. But uh, I'll just say one other thing about the album itself. Terry Date is the one who's kind of, I guess, credited here with the engineering and the production. And, and he's worked with a ton of bands, a lot of thrash bands like Metal Church, uh, Soundgarden, Dream Theater, Mother Love Bone. I mean, this guy has been all over the map. And maybe that's a credit to him for having this album hold up and sound as well as it has all these years later, because he's he's worked with everyone. And he's obviously a big name in the metal world. And he you know, even did new metal albums in the late 90s and stuff like that. So uh, he's been around. He knows how to mix an album. And it holds up. It sounds pretty good. And it, it doesn't have that dated, grainy feel that a lot of the albums that came out like three and four years before this did. Yeah, it's interesting to me that this came out the same year as, as the Black Album. And um, what, what Rust in Peace was that? Rust in Peace was 1990, right? Correct. So, But it's close. Um, so those are two massively recognized, um, you know, thrash metal albums that came out around that time. Um did, did was there anything from this album that kind of um, reminded you of the the other thrash metal bands from around that time? Um, you know, Rust in Peace and the Black Album specifically. I don't hear a lot of Rust in Peace because one of my comments is that this band, when it comes to like technical proficiency, is not Megadeth. I can deal with vocals that are not the greatest, i.e. Bobby Blitz, Dave Mustaine, like, I don't think anyone is ever going to say that these guys are going to hold a candle to Jeff Tate, right? It's just a different style. But from a riff standpoint, I heard a lot of Anthrax here, ironically enough. It reminded me of that late 80s Anthrax sound. Bobby Blitz's vocals, however, reminded me of something completely different. And I, I, this was a complete shock to me. There was a band that came out, and we will definitely cover this album at some point. There was a band, an American band called Vicious Rumors. Um, they were a, a San Francisco Bay Area band that grew up with a lot of those guys like Exodus and Testament and Metallica and whatnot. Um, and, and they were around from the, from the late 70s. They, uh, quick story, I'm sure I'll mention this in greater detail when we, when we cover them, but I wound up speaking to their bass player in the early days of the internet. I think I was probably 18 years old and I was, you know, just, I would talk to anybody and anybody. I remember I, you I had a, a, you had a vicious rumors poster yeah. on your room in your, yeah. on your bedroom wall in high school. Yeah. I mean, I how like, how many, who the hell is this? Yeah. How many people can say that? Right. They come out with an album in 1991, literally six weeks before a uh, horoscope comes out called welcome to the ball. Vicious Rumors is not really a thrash band. They're more of like a traditional heavy metal band. Almost this this album actually had quite a bit of a sabotage feel to it. And I think that they would actually tour with Sabotage around this time when when Gutter Ballet was was out and right right around streets as well. I have to check my notes on that. But anyway, they come out with this album, Welcome to the Ball. I've never heard of these guys. The bass player sends me a whole bunch of stuff in the mail. And the singer at that time for Vicious Rumors was a guy by the name of Carl Albert. Carl Albert, unfortunately, tragically passed away a couple of years after the album came out. But his vocals are outstanding. And he does he does the lows, he does the highs, he does it all. And he kind of he kind of remind Bobby Blitz reminds me of like a poor man's Carl Albert. And that's why the first listen, I had this jarring experience 
on Horoscope because I kept thinking to myself, this guy's trying to imitate, you know, Carl Albert on the West Coast, and it just didn't resonate. But once I got over that bias amongst the Sonata Artica bias, I actually enjoyed this. So it was it was it was an experience for me. And even this morning when I listened to it, I was hearing things that I hadn't realized or noticed the first, you know, half dozen times that I listened to it. So Without further ado, let, let's cover Horoscope in, in, in greater detail. Uh, the album starts with this brooding guitar intro on a track called Coma. Um, and this track is, to me, was, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, this reminds me of more of the mid-90s thrash than it does like that 80s thrash. Um, the drums are setting the tone here. And if you listen to it with headphones, the bass really jumps out. You can't, I didn't really hear it on my car speakers or on my uh, setup near my computer, but with headphones, this thing really, really popped. I think that Blitz's vocals are polarizing. I definitely, definitely think he was going for the Carl Albert thing, although I don't even know if he knows who that is. Um, I thought this was a really well-constructed tune. Not my favorite, but definitely a song that they should have opened up the album with. And, and I'll just say this. This album, this song, just the way it was structured, could have been on Euthanasia, and I, it wouldn't have missed a beat. I, that's so funny. I was just about to mention Megadeth because I feel like that and I guess even to a certain extent, when you think of a song like Enter Sandman, where it kind of starts off kind of unassuming, it's it's kind of just this like you know um, just a little like light guitar, and then and then it just smashes you in the face with um with like just you know th- just that thrash sound. It's like here we go. Um, so yeah, this was a good way to kind of kick things off and. Um, you know, I kept thinking that that Bobby Blitz's vocals reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't figure out who it was. And it definitely wasn't Vicious Rumors because I'm not familiar enough with them to have put that one together. Sure. But um, it was some, something that I've heard before. Just uh, to this point, I still can't put my finger on it. But again, like I mentioned before, I actually quite liked that sound. So like right from the beginning, you know, you have this really clear production, like vocals that I enjoy, like really good riffs, really good thrash. Like, I- I'm kind of like, okay, um, I-, I might be looking at this a little bit differently than I had initially uh, thought I would. So, um, yeah, I thought this was a really good start to things. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think it was a fitting start, especially for I guess older fans of the band that were kind of used to that sound. What did you think of Infectious? I mean, it starts with this drum solo and it's kind of like a slower riff to start and then it quickly picks up. And, and this is one of, another one of those headbangers at the front end of the record. This, whereas I heard a little bit of, you know, Megadeth's euthanasia on Coma, here I thought this was like extremely anthrax-ish. Um, they were kind of like these subtle background vocals throughout, which were, which were kind of cool. And, and I think that the instrumental sections kind of hold this thing together and kind of keep the train on the tracks because this, this is like a runaway train. Um, and what I really did appreciate here is that Blitz's vocal style is very different than that on Coma. Um, th- there's this like, hey, hey, hey section towards the middle that I did not need. I, I did not particularly enjoy that. Um, it would have been well served just changing key, you know, changing the key and changing the tempo. But nonetheless, I thought it was a pretty good song and, and, and another one that's well placed at the front end of the record. Well said. Um, I I thought this was probably one of my favorite songs from the beginning of the album. Um, I like how it kind of starts out with that, like you said, that little drum piece at the beginning. Um, yeah, this was uh, this is good. Um, I I had a hard, like, kind of a hard time like really finding 
big differences in the first, I, I would say the first four songs. Um, but um, I really did enjoy this one quite, quite a bit as well. I think I liked it even a, a, a hair more than uh, the opening track, Coma. Um, yeah, yeah, another, another good track. I, I agree with you. I, not 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 about the the four being indistinguishable, but it just it was you know again just straight up in your face thrashy sound, um, which which I guess is to be expected. What I really actually thought was was better, and, and again I, there's an improvement here. Coma was pretty good. Infectious I like better. I really like the third track, Blood Money. Another drum, you know, fills in the intro that that were kind of cool. And there was these like seemingly random snare hits on the drum, which I, I wasn't expecting, but they kind of helped push the song along. I thought this was really, really catchy. Uh, the verses were good. Um, I love how there's one point where the music actually drops out while Blitz is actually finishing the verse, which I thought was a nice touch. Not the greatest chorus, but good enough. A really cool outro. Um, this is this for my money. If I was going to hear a song live, this would be the one. I, I enjoyed this third track a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, again, like uh, another really good tune. I like the. I kind of like the um, the riff, like the 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 overarching riff of the songs. Like it's kind of like a. It feels like a like almost like a train. Um, and the the like uh, the solo work is, is really good too. Like you know, it, it um, I think it's it, it definitely rivals any of the the you know the big thrash bands as far as the quality work of the the guitar um, and the the soloing parts. But I do really enjoy that um, that thrash rhythm guitar with the thrash solo guitar over it. Yep. It, it really yep. makes for a very cool sound that. Um, I, I always thought, um, you know, personally, like Megadeth always did best, but uh, I, I, Overkill definitely gives them a, a run for their money as far as that kind of instrumentation quality goes. Um, it, it's something that I think Metallica kind of lost, uh, tr- like I don't know, kind of lost their their way with that kind of sound into the '90s that they used to do so well during the '80s, and I'm excited to when we finally get to talk about Metallica and and. Oh, if if Keith Nickel has anything to say about it, we're starting with Saint Anger. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like um, I, I would say, three for three, uh, and I, I really, again, was very pleasantly surprised by um, by these 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 first handful of songs and, and the rest of the album. You are um, you are really having me change my focus for my album next week. I will get into it at the end, but you're saying, you are saying things that are making me zig and zag like you wouldn't believe. Um, the next, the, the next track, and I, I think the spelling is, is very important here. It's thanks for nothing. That's T-H-A-N-X for nothing, of course, with no G and an apostrophe at the end. Um, whenever, whenever I see a song with a title like that, immediately because the trepidation sits in uh sets in uh right right off the bat i the biases are kicking in in full effect but i gotta be honest with you the opening riff on this song is fantastic um i don't particularly love this song uh, i thought it was a little bit of a step back after the first three but that being said i thought that there's a really good guitar solo all early on in the track although it was obviously a little bit of a shorter one there's a there's a better solo even later on this track even has a bass solo, which whenever I think of bass solos, I think of Marcus Groskopf, which is never a bad thing. 
I can see why they selected this track for a video. And, and obviously it got some play on Headbangers Ball. So kudos to them for that. Um, not my favorite track, but I, I can see what they were trying to do here. Spelling aside, not bad. I, um, this gave me like 80s thrash vibes. Like, totally. kind of like, I don't, I, I'm not going to lie. I never went back and listened to that Anthrax album again, but, uh, <laughs> probably never will. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. Uh, but <laughs> it's kind of that, that, like yelling out the name of the song instead of singing it like thanks for nothing like it's just so that just reminded me of so tro- like tropey 80s thrash metal where you have to like scream the name of the song um so th- i feel like this is definitely a page out of the the 80s thrash playbook um i didn't like it as much as the first three songs um but uh, you know it's good for what it is it's just uh you know i guess blistering was the good word that you used earlier i think that this is probably I don't know. I think this is the heaviest of the first four songs, or at least maybe the fastest. Um, but de- it was definitely the most blistering. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I hit the nail on the head there. Um, when you finally get to the fifth track, Bare Bones, you get something that's different than the first four. It starts with this really slow, haunting piano uh, at the start, which made me think of Halloween, not to be confused with Halloween. It's just this like Halloween haunting vibe to it. Uh, and, and you kind of knew it was going to pick up and it does. So I, I have to give them credit for that. At least they were trying something different here. I got to be honest of the first five, this is probably my favorite song side a, if you will, this is my favorite track. It's, it's, it's dark, it's heavy, but otherwise it's just a great classic thrash tune. I love the time signature changes. Uh, again, not the biggest fan of the vocals on this particular track compliments will come for Bobby Blitz later on in the second half of this album. But if you can get past the vocals here, it's a really well-constructed tune. And it's one of my favorite guitar solos on the entire album towards the end. This is a really good song. And I'm not sure if it's something that they actually play live or if they even touch this album in their more recent sets, but this is a really good song. And it's, it's, it's my favorite of the first five. Yeah, I, it's mine too. Um, I, you said Halloween, like the movie, I thought of Halloween, the song by Halloween, like really? starts out with like this kind of creepy intro, um, instead of guitars with Halloween, this was piano. And then it kind of goes into this kind of slow riffing, which is a lot like Halloween does. Um, the song obviously splinters off into more of a thrash style than a power metal style, but the beginning of it really gave me uh, Halloween by Halloween vibes, um, in a lot of ways, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is, um, this is probably my favorite song on the first half of the album. Um, it's everything you said was right on the money, but I, I did like that for the first time on the album, it was, the song was starting out with something other than drums or guitar. It was kind of cool to hear a, a piano. Um, it was not something I was expecting to no, hear at any no, point, but it was, but it, but it was cool. And like, I know I'm repeating myself. You knew the payoff was going to come. It does, but at least you got there on a different road, if that makes sense. So I was, I was, I was all about it. I like this track a lot. Yeah, same. Tell me what you think about the title track. To me, this is really where the album starts to turn. Uh, for me, really after Horoscope. But what do you think about this title track? Um, would I be correct in saying it's like it reminded me of Sanctuary or Nevermore or like that kind of? I don't know why. Like, I just got kind of like a vibe, like, um, 
a little bit more progressive than the first five tracks, more of a kind of a slower pace. But um, yeah, I got, I can't, I, can't, I don't know if it was Sanctuary or Nevermore, but I got kind of a, a vibe of, of that kind of style. I, I can hear the Nevermore. I can hear the Nevermore, but just close your eyes and indulge me for a second. Once you get past the bass intro with the symbols, hear, hear me out. Close your eyes and tell me that you don't hear the thing that should not be or for whom the bell tolls, but just slow down with Ozzy singing. Because that that's <laughs> what I heard on this thing, which is, I know it's like completely random, but I kept thinking the thing that should not be or for whom the bell tolls just slowed down. Um, you're not getting a ballad on this disc, you know, a true ballad, but this is kind of close to it. I have like a love-hate relationship with this song. There were, t- And it's weird. There were times that I heard this song, I'm like, this is fantastic. And there were other times where I listened to it this week where I'm like, this is my least favorite track on the album. And with each listen, it would vary so greatly. I still don't know what to make of it. I, I, I do not know whether I like this track or not. I don't have an opinion, but that's what I hear. So we obviously we, we hear two different things, but... Um, it's a really unique track kind of in the middle of this disc. And then you get into the, the B sides of the album, which are like, I mean, all over the place, which is awesome. Yeah. Like, so that, that just that riff, it's like, dun, 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 you know, now that I, as I actually say it out loud, it does sound like for whom the bell tolls slowed down, but there are definitely parts on the second half of the album that gave me early Metallica kind of vibes to it. Um, and, and I guess this was probably one of the first ones now that you mention it. Um, but yeah, this is um, just kind of like a real crunchy um, mid-tempo thrash song. Um, I, I like it. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There really weren't any songs I did not like, um, which I don't think I would have bet uh, before I listened to the album. But um, yeah, this this is a good one. And, and I like that, you're, um, that you heard... Like now that you mention it, yeah, like that com- makes complete sense. But w- that part where um, that heavy riff comes in at the chorus, I don't know what it is. It just it gives me, and I'm not uh, proclaiming to be a, a Nevermore fanatic or even know more than a handful of songs, but that's kind of what it, it reminded me of. Well, that's another band we've actually gotten multiple requests for and something that we will definitely do um, in the coming months. I, I, I think they are a fascinating band on a number of levels, and I think that that would be a really, really interesting um, discussion. I think the hardest thing with that band is actually picking an album because they're all kind of different from each other, but discussion for another day. Uh, the, the seventh track, New Machine, is, is, is another kind of mid-paced tune. A little bit of a filler track. I think that the, there's this instrumental section where you kind of expect the payoff that doesn't really ever come. Uh, but what I, but there's certain parts of this track that are so good that I think are, are not only worth mentioning, but kind of save the track. The drumming on this tune is awesome. I mean, absolutely awesome. And I thought that the mix was just really, really good. Um, so that it was like crystal clear mix with these drums that just kind of paved the way for the entire thing. And I love the outro, which was kind of March-like, which I thought kind of played itself well into the title New Machine. So not my favorite track, but there were elements here that I just particularly enjoyed and kind of picked up on because after this, the album is, to me, fantastic. I actually, the the last four songs are phenomenal for me. I I feel like this is kind of the beginning of where... um the album really kind of starts to elevate itself. Um, It's almost like to me, it's a, it's almost um, it kind of still has that 
real threat, like threat, crunchy thrash vibe from the first half of the album, but it also is kind of starting to kind of ease you into maybe some more progressive elements that you're going to hear uh, towards the the end of the album. But um, this is, I think, this is really like the starting point for me where um, I just really in- ended up enjoying this whole other vibe that the second half of the album has like I enjoyed the first half for like a completely different reason. And this I, I thought was kind of the beginning of this whole, this was like horoscope. The song was almost like this midway point. And now, now we're on that, you know, on our way through the second half of the album. And I thought this was a, a really cool way to kind of kick things off. Um, before we would go into this, um, this, this cover, uh, this instrumental cover of, of Frankenstein. Um, but yeah, this was a, just a very cool, uh, very cool song. I, I like this one quite a bit. Yeah, no, no question. And and I'm glad you mentioned Frankenstein. I, I I didn't know. I don't think I knew the Edgar Winter version. So this was. Um, new well, I do have um, I do have a funny thing to say I'd about that. Um, this is the reason I was asking you about the Wayne's World soundtracks um, because the the original Edgar Winter song. Um, is the um, the intro to Wayne's World too? And so when no, I was listening to this album, it just gave me like I just started thinking about Wayne's World, and and I was that's why I was asking you, you know, if you were familiar with the the two soundtracks. But that's what kind of popped into my head, and it got me listening to songs from the Wayne's World. Uh, that's really funny. Soundtracks through I had no idea through Overkill of all things, but um, yeah, this is uh, I was familiar with the original, and this is. Um, it, it really does lend itself well to a, a, th- a thrash kind of vibe. So um, I thought this was kind of cool and definitely very unexpected. I was not expecting to hear something like this. Yeah, it, it's funny. It. The the layered guitar sound here is awesome. And even though it's a little bit short like for a thrash instrumental, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect, but it's really well done. Um, I don't have much to say other than it almost has like a video game quality to it, the way that they interpreted the cover, but it's like really, really cool. I, I never picked up on the fact that it was in Wayne's World, so now I have to go back and watch that movie tonight, so thank you. Yeah. Well, um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the sequel, so make sure you watch the Well, I, I prob- prob- I'd watch them both. I, I think I've seen the, the original a hundred times by now, and with the Rangers out of the playoffs, I've got a lot more free time. Um, so <laughs> that being said, uh, I'll definitely, if nothing else, I'll have to watch the intro again, but uh, really cool track. It, kind of neat to break things up a little bit um but now we get to, to now we get to these last three tracks um I, i'm just gonna read a few words about what i have to say about live free die young it also happens to be chris's track of the week and and, and to me this is the definition of thrash right here everything from the drumming to the guitars the pacing it's like a clinic in how to write a thrash song um in many ways it actually reminds me of kind of like the more modern thrash bands or I should say the more modern thrash band sound, like what Creator was doing on their new album and stuff like that from the singles that I heard. There's something about this. I, I even hear a little bit of Slayer in here as well. It, it doesn't sound dated. And I, I, I like this track quite a bit. But I, I think it's worth noting that Chris kind of summed it up beautifully. He goes, while the first half of the record is blistering, um, and I absolutely love it for what it is, but it's the second half of the record that gets a bit more dynamic, and I appreciate that even more. My song of the week would be Live Young, Die Free. It hints lyrically at something that's a little bit deeper, more somber, and more emotional, but still paired with an up-tempo track that somehow just works together and really resonates for him. I agree with him. This to me is like a quintessential thrash song. And I think that you could use it and play it for someone and said to, and say like, if you've never heard thrash, 
put hit play and listen to Live Young Die Free. You know what song this reminded me of? I'd love to hear. Battery. Really? Yeah. I can I hear a, that. Yeah. I got a battery vibe from this. Um, this was where I felt like the the this album had the this is the song that had the most kind of Metallica kind of vibe in my in my ears. Um, I can hear that. Yeah. Um, so that was just kind of what I picked up on it. But um, I liked what Chris had to say about it. I think he really hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I like you said, like these, I, especially these last three tracks. I just think the album really finishes strong. And we always talk about, you know, we always like focus on the order of things and how things sometimes might have made, you know, more sense in a different order. And you know, was it were they considering it like side A, side B, or were they looking at it more like a CD where it's start to finish? This feel this album feels more like a CD to me, where there's it's progressing. Like it, it almost takes you on a journey from the beginning where it's like it goes from being this this heavy thrash album and then, you know, you're like four tracks in and you're thinking to yourself, like, all right, I think I know what this album's all about. And then and then bare bones kicks in and you're like, Oh, maybe I wasn't, you know, maybe I wasn't so sure. And I think the last three songs really kind of show how varied uh this this album is and, and um yeah, it's kind of like the, the last, the, this little suite of three songs in my head. Just, I thought really at a point where I would, on a new album, this is like kind of that point in the album where you're about three quarters of the way through where, um, you could lose me. Like if everything has been kind of generic, which I thought the anth, well, that was my biggest issue with that anthrax album is that to me, like nothing, sounded like it was differentiated and everything. Nothing was really dynamic to me. It was just kind of boring. Um, maybe it was a mood I was in. Maybe if I went back and listened to it again, maybe episode 200, we can revisit. We'll cover it again. We'll do the yeah. exact same album and we'll see if your thoughts have changed. Yeah, but um, in the, I felt like in this case, this the album just kept being interesting and that really kept me um, into it instead of me just saying like, you know, track one coma is my track of the week because everything else sounded the same. That <laughs> to be the first one that I heard. Um, I, I just really liked how how it progressed, and this um, this was a good song. So um, yeah, uh, cheers to uh, to Chris for choosing it for his song of the week. I, I I thought it was a good choice. Now it's funny because there's two tracks left, and we have not chosen our songs of the week yet. So I'm wondering if they're going to be the same or if we're going to be a little varied here. Uh, nice day for a funeral starts off a bit slower and then it has this heavy, almost like a doom like riff with this chunky guitar sound to it, 
which is really cool. Um, it's the longest track. It's it's over six minutes, but it doesn't really drag. I thought this, the verses were solid. The bridge was awesome, and the chorus was good too. It's a bit less thrash and more of a traditional metal tune with this dark outro that kind of sets up the last track. This was almost my song of the week, but it was just not thrashy enough that I wanted it to be like something that was a little more in line with their core sound. So I didn't choose it. I think you'll now figure out what my, my song of the week is, but this is a really cool track and kind of sets up sol- uh, solitude, which is, or solitude, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is like kind of, I wonder if they took a page out of the Megadeth book where it's like peace sells dot, 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 but who's buying or is this yep. a stay dot, dot, dot for a funeral. Um, Exactly. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. And it looks like we did choose the same song of the week in solitude, which I think was the, I thought was the biggest outlier on this album and for all the right reasons. could not agree more and it's funny because with this being the last track it would suck me in for like repeated listens because i was looking forward to the payoff at the end of the album um it's my track of the week it's not in the typical vein of the front half of this album but there's enough thrash on this song that you can appreciate what the band was you know kind of trying to do a really really dark intro that had me thinking fade to black or in my darkest hour both of those songs jumped at me when I heard the intro to this. Yeah, um, Fade to Black for me as well. Yeah, there you go. And I'll be honest, this is Bobby Blitz's best vocal performance on the entire album. He sounds awesome on this track. He really can sing. There's a there's this really short guitar solo that I loved before the second verse. And I just love how it gradually picks off because the second half of this song is just one big payoff until the end of the album. I love this track. Favorite track, hands down, song of the week. I, I could have chosen others. I mentioned a couple along the way, but this this is mine. I, I'm looking forward to listening to this again. Yeah, I um, I had a feeling that you were going to have uh, similar thoughts. Um, it sounded to me like something you would enjoy, and and um, I, it just really stood out to me. And um, and when it got into that kind of uh, you know, it starts out really kind of slow and and haunting, as we like to say, and then but then it, it picks up with like a really catchy. A bridge and chorus um just this is a cool song but the soloing is awesome and like you said it's akin to to uh to uh you know uh feed to black or in my darkest hour um but without feeling like a ripoff uh, it definitely has its own kind of uh flavor and uniqueness to it so um 
yeah, it was, it was, this album really, really caught me by surprise. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that Chris asked us to review it because I, it's changed my overall view of this band that I just didn't really think much of going into it. And uh, I'm curious as to what, um, you know, what their other albums sound like or, or how they might differ from this one. So, it, um, I look forward to when we uh, eventually do another Overkill album because, like you said, we did did have a few requests. So um, it'll be interesting to compare another album to this one because this one, it's it's to me like this is going to be the one to beat. I I agree with you. Um, it, it sold well. It sold over one hundred twenty thousand copies in the U.S. It reached number twenty nine on the U.S. Billboard Heat Seekers chart and, and apparently is their best selling album to date. Um, so kudos to them for that. This was a really uh, thought-provoking and, and, and an interesting choice that Chris gave us. And I'm glad that he put the time and effort into choosing this one because I'm all, I, I don't know if I'm going to like them all as much as I like this one. But I, I think the biggest compliment I can say is that I've now opened the door for actually listening to these guys in the future because they were blacklisted for no good reason prior, prior to this week. So uh, kudos to Chris for that. Scale of one to ten, what what are you going to give this? Uh, I'm going to give this a seven point two five. I just thought it was a really strong album. Um, you know, it's not my favorite genre of music, but I do enjoy a good thrash metal album. Um, Anthrax, notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> well, you said a good one, right? So, yeah, so yeah, this was uh, this was very enjoyable and definitely better than I had uh, expected. I'm with you. I'm actually at a seven myself, but it's, I want to let it marinate more. And it's something else that I'll obviously continue to listen to because there were a couple of standout tracks that make me want to check out more stuff. So uh, that, that pretty much puts a bow on it. We are right in the same area. It was a very pleasant surprise for both of us. Uh, Before we get to my album for next week, and we'll talk a little bit about the big 100, which is coming up. I, I cannot believe it, but episode 100 is Coming fast and furiously, uh, a couple of brief news items um, from two different veins. Uh, you'll see why in a second. Accept uh, has announced a North American tour for the fall of 2022, starting out in the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville on September 29th, ending in Columbus, Ohio on October 29th. Accept uh, is coming back to the United States after many years. This is a band that I've kind of put in the overkill camp. I never have given this band any time. From what I understand, when they played Prog Power last time, the place was going bonkers. They are supposed to be fantastic live. I've never given them the time of day. Maybe it means we have to do an Overkill album, I mean, an, an, an Accept album. Um, but for some reason, I just never, maybe I was like turned off by the gigantic back catalog of music. But for whatever reason, I, I just never gave them the time of day. And I feel like I'm, I'm missing out. I think the only song I know is like, balls to the wall and fast as a shark or something like that yeah i'm kind of with you there it's again it's same thing with overkill like it's just when you look back and you see this massive back catalog it just becomes so overwhelming that you're like you know what i'm good yeah, um, exactly. and then, then you go listen to halloween instead so uh, <laughs> yeah I, I would i would enjoy that i would think that would be kind of cool i mean i wouldn't even know where to begin maybe somebody has a recommendation but uh that's definitely another hole in um you know, I guess both of our fandoms, because uh, for sure, yeah, I think I listened to their one of their newer albums. Um, I'm very, I'm very uh, unfamiliar with. I think it was Blood of the Nations that came out. Um, mm-hmm. Even that, it's not that new. It came out 12 years ago. Um, 
but my knowledge of uh, the Udo era except is is minimal at best. I think really balls to the wall and fast as a shark only because Halloween covered it. <laughs> exactly. And, and had they not covered it, you probably wouldn't know that. I one, would definitely uh, wouldn't know it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I certainly understand. And while except is, is hitting the road for a North American tour, unfortunately primal fear is not bassist. Matt Sinner's health continues to be an issue. So they are not hitting the road despite announcing tours in both 2021 and 2020, 2022. I feel bad. They were supposed to do a U.S. tour. I think it was with Symphony X at some point, which kind of was like a cool little lineup. Um, if I'm wrong about that, I know for a fact that they had announced U.S. tour dates. Um, they were never my favorite band, but at the same time, I always liked them. It was just something like I just kind of – I would always gravitate towards other stuff, but then I heard it. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I, I should listen to them more. We have to do a Primal Fear episode. We haven't covered them. But um, bad news or sad news out of the Primal Fear camp, I, I would imagine most bands are itching to get back out on the road and they just have not been able to get out of their own way due to, due to Matt Sinner's health. Yeah. I mean, I've never been like a massive Primal Fear fan, but their um, their music is always solid to me. Their new albums are always worth checking out. And, and I've seen them at least twice live and they put on a really fun show. I, I, they're actually one of those bands I think I enjoy more much more live than I do just listening to the album. They bring a lot of fun energy and, and Ralph Sheepers is just a, a beast behind the microphone. Just um, his voice hasn't really lost a, a touch at all. Um, and, and, you know, this is a guy who'd been, who joined Gamma Ray in 1990, uh, 32 years ago, and has just been, you know, kicking butt ever since. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to see them again. Um you know, in the, in the somewhat near future, uh, back on tour here in the States. Cause, uh, they really do put on a fun show. No, no question. Um, which brings us to episode 99. I had s- tentatively selected a Metallica album for this week and, and, and no, it wasn't St. Anger. I, I know we will <laughs> get to that in the future, but I, w- I was going to choose one of the classic Metallica albums this week. I had a hunch you- that you might, honestly, uh, what? before we talked today. Really? Yeah. Just. I don't know why, just because I was, I was thinking about, because, you know, through listening to Overkill all week, it just kept, like, ringing in my head that, like, how the hell have we not done a Metallica? We've done Anthrax, Overkill, Megadeth, um, and not Metallica. So, But um, I'm sure it's coming soon, if not next week. Well, it was coming soon. And then you said something uh, at the outset talking about Crash Diet that kind of threw me in a different direction, <laughs> which was funny, because then you started talking about battery and, and Metallica again. So I'm all over the place, but I'm going to go with my change or the curveball that I kind of alluded to earlier. You mentioned Crash Diet and I thought that the new Crash Diet album was phenomenal. It is definitely going to be in my top 50 and it's kind of the album that I've been wanting hardcore superstar to make for the last 15, 12 years, something like that. That is a band we have not talked about. That is a band who they have a couple of albums which I just absolutely adore, and it's a band that I think you will love if you enjoyed the new Crash Diet. So with that said, we are going to do Hardcore Superstar's self-titled album from 2005. A couple reasons. Number one, we haven't touched much from this 2005 to 2010 era when we were, when we were out of college and you had kind of drifted away from the scene a bit. So just from a timing standpoint, I know that you're not really familiar with this particular album. Number two, if you if you enjoyed Crash Diet, I think that this is the next logical extension, and I'll just put I'll push Metallica into the triple digits, and we'll get to it after episode 100. So next week, 
Hardcore Superstar, their debut album from 2005. I don't think they this band has a perfect album, but I do enjoy this one a lot, and I think it'll be fun to cover. Yeah, I do, I do remember we don't celebrate Sundays, which is ironic because we're recording this on a Sunday. But um, <laughs> that might be the uh, that might be the the extent of my knowledge of this album. But this is a band I do know that I enjoy from the smattering of songs that I've heard. I, I kind of um, I, I think I I think I had gotten their first three albums, and then I kind of lost track of them after that. So I'll probably have to at some point. Um, catch myself back up but uh cool choice um i, I know that i'm going to enjoy it now the question is just how much and and that's that's kind of my um my question as well i know you're going to like it i wonder if you're going to love it and you might or you might not but i'm, I'm curious to hear what you think they're they're interesting because if you took their best 20 songs it's among my favorite music that i that i have in my collection the problem is i think a lot of their albums have some dead spots or, or songs that don't grab me as much filler yeah filler material so you, you kind of have to take the best of the material and it, it's kind of the perfect band to make your best of playlist with because there's not enough there to give any of these albums a 10 or even a 9 but there's a lot of songs that are 10s in and of themselves and this album has about five or six of those so i think you'll enjoy it but um why don't we do the big reveal you know episode 100 is coming up it's going to be your choice and i think it's exceptionally fitting because you've had this plan for a while and you, you let the cat out of the bag for me but I'm, I'm just curious um to hear what other people's thoughts are and quite frankly i need to start prepping for episode 100 as soon as we're done with this because there's a lot i have to listen to in the next uh, two weeks or so well anybody who knows me probably won't find this to be terribly shocking. <laughs> um, but there's a reason why after 99 episodes, we uh, I've not chosen a, a album by one of my favorite bands, Power Quest. And that's because I decided, I think even before episode 50, that I wanted to do a real deep dive. The band has uh, six full-length albums. Um, so I don't feel like it would be too much of a, a chore to kind of go over all of them so this is going to be our third um what do you call it uh career retrospective episode and we're going to talk about uh all six power quest albums and and kind of uh kind of go over um their interesting uh journey uh which involves a lot of uh personnel changes over the years um but with one uh very um one very important uh, static member, that being the keyboard player Steve Williams, uh, we'll kind of go through, you know, where he came from and and uh, and, and all of that. Um, but I wanted to get that out two weeks in advance in case anybody wanted to go back and and listen to their the, the six Power Quest albums. They would not have to. Um, cram it all into one week um which is again why i kind of let you know ahead of time as well um but yeah that's the plan for uh, our 100th episode and and um i'm hoping to get an, an interview lined up with at least uh one or two members of the band that i consider friends um so i think that is uh, uh very doable um so that's the plan for uh episode 100 and I, i'm kind of i was hoping that it would come to me choosing that week uh just kind of worked out that way thanks to the um the prog power episode uh pushing your choice ahead a week it just kind of worked out that way so um but that was always my 
always my plan um, for a while now. And uh, so that, and, and also I just knew choosing one power quest album would have been impossible for me because I just love them all in their own kind of special way. Um, so this kind of, is a way for me to dodge having to choose one. <laughs> well, whatever the reason, I look forward to listening to them. I've obviously listened to them all, not nearly as many times as you have, but I, I, I am familiar with, with all of their songs. Well, I have you to thank because you were the one who put them That's on right. my radar in, uh, I want to say it was in 2005 or 2006. Um, so, you know, I'll go into that um, when we talk about it, but this is... Um, this is my way of thanking you for getting me into one of my favorite bands in the world is by making you listen to all of their material. <laughs> I, I look forward to the history lesson from you and, and, and perhaps some of the members um, over the course of the next couple of weeks. So I thank you. Uh, it is it is not a punishment. It is definitely um, going to be interesting. As I said before, we appreciate uh, all the love and support. Please continue to give us uh, five-star reviews if you think we deserve it. It helps other people find the show. Keep the requests coming and uh we will come back next week with hardcore superstars we oh and before as- before, oh, yeah. we, before we sign off i just yeah. want to mention one last thing i probably yeah. mentioned it a little bit earlier but when we had uh tor Aspie on with us and he was talking about or hinting at um conception's older material finally getting uh put back out there um i completely missed it while we were in atlanta but um apparently uh, the the debut conception album was uh, re-released on streaming platforms. You can buy it on um, iTunes, that being The Last Sunset. And then um, this past Friday, Parallel Minds, their second album, uh, was dropped as well. So I can only assume that um, in the next two weeks we'll receive uh, In Your Multitude and Flow as well. But being that that was something that was mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, I thought I would just reiterate that those albums are out there um, for the first time ever um, on digital platforms, possibly. I think so. Not 100% sure, but I don't recall seeing those albums available until recently. So um, if you haven't heard them or you um, you know have been holding off because you didn't want to pay $105, for one CD on eBay, um, you know, I actually went and re uh, and bought the uh, Last Sunset um, on iTunes uh, just because I never actually purchased the album legitimately. So um, this was my way of apologizing for that. And uh, um, and I have um, Parallel Minds on on CD, so I didn't need to rebuy that. But um, yeah, it's it's cool that that people will be able to have easy access to these albums. So I uh, feel like they're like kind of hitting their stride as a band and they're actually probably more popular now than they were 20 years ago. So kudos to them. Um, I, I wish them nothing but the, the, the best, as we mentioned in the last episode, they seem just so genuinely excited to be here and they were like the nicest bunch of guys. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I hope other people check them out. I'll put a link uh, at the bottom of the episode so that people see it. But uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. Uh, we're 100 is right around the corner, which means that 200 will be here before we know it. Um, but it's been nothing but fun for us. So uh, till then, let's, uh, let's listen to some sleaze metal and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, buddy. Take it easy. Take care.